Today's deep dive into Falcon and Winter Soldier is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Head on over to Cufflinks.com slash DVR for all your men's apparel needs, baby. They've got cufflinks. They've got tie bars. They've got pins. They've got ties, socks, all the awesome stuff that you need to look good when you step out your door in the morning or when you turn on that computer and you're on Zoom. Because let's face it, people, you still got to look good. Come on, enough with the bedhead. We're a year in, the light is at the end of the tunnel. We got to start thinking about the future, people. Looking good out there in public. So head on over to cufflinks.com now. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order, no minimum. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome to One Mike and Daily DVR's deep dive into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 5, entitled The Truth. Once again, directed by Kari Skoglin, but this time written by Dalin Musan. An interesting story. This gentleman only has one writing credit before um that he had which was on the i don't know if you guys have ever seen it the movie the nazis in space series when the nazis <laughs> take over the moon you know what i'm talking about no okay no but i want to well, see this shit right. but <laughs> nazis check, in space yeah, this guy is i got I, what's the name of, i forgot the name of this series uh i think it's like iron sky yeah it's iron sky um, but that's the only thing he wrote the sequel and then he wrote this. So it's really interesting that this is actually his first, uh, writing credit for television, but I always try to do a little background on that. But, uh, anyway, whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening to the podcast, please do leave a like subscribe, write us a review. Also make sure to check out Mike's instant reaction to this episode, which is already on the one Mike channel. We also it, do it's, it's not though. Oh, it's not. What happened? <laughs> I didn't do I didn't do one. Uh I had a I had a uh pretty hectic week, so I I actually didn't do one yet. Oh. Well, I didn't do it at all. Okay, uh, I missed it. I, that's right. I didn't watch it. I should have known because I always watch it. Yeah, I'm and like I, I, get, assumed, yeah. I assumed you didn't knew I didn't. No, I was just I was just reading my script. Because <laughs> that's what I do, motherfucker. It's start, time to start the show. Uh, we want your feedback. Hit us at DVRpodcast.com. Comment on this video at one mic. You can do that. It'll be up on Tuesday. Or oh, join I might the- actually put this one up early since I didn't do the initial reaction. All right. It's coming up yeah. early, baby. Yeah. Um, you can also join the Daily DVR Facebook group. My name is Axel. With me, of course, is Mike, who's already spoken. But we do want to introduce our guest, Coming all the way from the East Coast, my native land, it's Mr. Tony Teflon. How you doing, Tony? What's going on? What's going on, everybody out there? Thank you for having me on here. I truly, truly appreciate the invitation. Anxious to talk about this episode. Really, really deep episode when you really look at it for everything that is uh, that they were trying to project. And did not think that Marvel would like to go. It's, you know, controversial the way they, they presented the things. And uh, I thought they did a pretty good job doing so. But once again, we'll get into all that. I want to thank you and everyone and Mike for having me up in here. I really, truly appreciate it. As they said, make sure you hit that thumbs up, people. Show these cats some love. You know what I mean? Leave a comment inside of the comment section and subscribe. 
the podcast and their YouTube channel. Yeah, baby. Yes, sir. That's the way we do it. Well, <laughs> I have some great feedback. We got some feedback from Joanne, from Andy, from Claire. Um, but Mike, since you didn't have an opportunity to do your instant reaction, let's start there. As Tony mentioned, this episode was kind of, I found it to be a lot of character building. Of course, we're wrapping things up. We've only got one episode left, but it was pretty deep. A lot of the boat stuff I thought was for Marvel. They normally don't have the opportunity or time to go into that kind of stuff. So I really enjoyed it. What was your instant reaction to this episode, Mike? Um, I I, I kind of saw a divide in the fandom, I think, a little bit with this episode. I saw some people who thought it was like the best episode of the season. I saw some people who thought it was the well, I won't say the worst. I don't think anybody thought it was bad, but the the least of the five episodes so far. And I kind of fall somewhere in between there. Uh, this episode had some things that I really, really liked. Um, there were some moments I thought kind of dragged in the middle a little bit, but um, you know, it, it was still a solid episode. I'm still uh, interested in a lot of the uh, race-based uh, talking points that we can take away from these episodes, but also I'm, I'm a little concerned and it's, it's not there yet. I'm just a little concerned. It's going to get a little heavy handed just with the, the way we saw with episode one with the bank, the bank conversation, which was great. But then episode two had the police conversation, which wasn't so great. And then we can, talk about this a little bit but um i think for for me i think what makes make or breaks this episode for at least for me was the conversation that sam had with isaiah because i think for uh, for us i feel like that scene probably at least didn't for me anyway it didn't hit as hard as i think it was meant to hit for most people because i was looking back at and i realized that story was not divulged when we first meet isaiah so if you're just somebody who's casually watching the show and you watch that episode where they first introduced Isaiah, the conversation that he has with Sam in this episode is going to hold a lot of weight. Cause you're like, man, I didn't know he went through that shit, but we spent the whole episode where they first introduced Isaiah talking about the shit that he dealt with. So when that scene came up and, and Isaiah's telling him all the stuff that he dealt with, I was sitting there like, I, I already knew this, <laughs> so, but yeah. Can I, um, can I, let me, um, if I may interject, I, yeah. I think that's an interesting thing you said, because I watched this episode twice. The first time I watch it by myself, well, really three times, but the first time by myself, the second time I watch it with my wife. And I was kind of trying to judge how she took that scene too, because I was looking for something more. I was like, why are they doing this again? What is the new information we're getting from this scene? And I think... I think there's the information about his wife, right? And I guess these kind of letters that were safe, but it was, she was the nurse who let him, who marked him as dead. Is that what we're supposed well, to believe? His wife was not the nurse. Okay. Okay. Uh, that Thank you. Tony. That, that's not what happened. So what I believe they were trying to do when they nice. pushed this episode out and why they told this backstory is basically what they're saying is, should a black man be Captain America? And he's telling you his story, why he feels that a black person should not be Captain America. Number one, he said, as you said, they won't let you be Captain America. You know, he's going by 
what he learned in his past. Though he could have been Captain America, they, the government wouldn't have let him be Captain America. Because when you look at what he did exactly when they experimented on all the black people and gave them the super soldier serum and they were going to kill them all, he went back there and he saved all of them. Right. That's but for doing it. so, Thank you, they, they put him right. in jail for that. And when Captain America, if you watch the movie, the first Captain America movie, he did the exact same thing with white soldiers and the Highland commandos. And he was praised a hero. So when you look at those two things, two exact, the same exact things were done. But when a white person did it, he was praised a hero. When a black man did it to save black people, he was put in jail. So I think that is the reason why they put that in there to give his opinion that a black man should not be Captain America. And as he said, no self-righteous black man would ever think about being Captain America. And the the fact that Sam going to become the new Captain America. Hmm. I, that, that's the point that I was trying to find was, was it th- that analogy, right? That he, he would, he, we found out. His, when he first told the story, we found out that he took the shield and the and the cost and the suit. We didn't know that he was saving those other guys, right? I think that's the further story, Mike, that they were trying to get to us. But I have to agree with Mike that the role I found a rollout to be a little bit clunky because when Sam looks at him and says to him. I like the little conversation they have in the beginning where he's like, come on, Sam, you know, you're a black man in America. You know what I'm talking about, right? And then Sam is kind of like, okay, yes, but deeper, I want to know exactly what happened to you that led to this. And like Tony said, he outlines that it's the same thing that Steve did, but I have to agree with Mike in the sense that I think... I wanted something more from this in the sense that what did this do for Isaiah? Right? That's what I'm interested in finding out. I like the fact that he and Sam had the opportunity for him to tell his story and what happened, but I like to see something happen with him further as we go along here that there's some sort of retribution that's made to him for what happened that Sam somehow works to right this wrong. Obviously we've got a big fight coming with Carly, but to me, I I like to see, I hope this isn't the last of what we see with Isaiah. Um, I, I liked that we got to see him again though. And I definitely think that seeing his grandson again, they don't put this kid twice. He always has to see the grandson before he sees him. We're obviously going to see this kid again. He's going to yeah, be, a, they're going to do a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about that. He's a cat. Yeah. He's definitely, yeah. they're going to bring this kid back again. Yeah. To, to provide a little clarity to what I was saying about that scene though. Like I think the scene was done very well. I didn't have any issues with the scene. I thought it was a, a pretty well done scene. It was just in that moment watching it. I realized that this was supposed to be, uh, some pretty heavy information for the viewer, but we had spent all we had already talked about Isaiah's past, at least uh, canonically. Like, so I had like watching the scene, I was kind of just sitting there like, okay, I know, I know this already. And but then it, 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 once I was away from it, I was like, oh wait, that that scene was probably supposed to hit a little bit harder for okay. someone who hadn't 
picked it apart when we saw Isaiah the first time. So like if you're, if you're not, you know, looking for those sorts of things or doing your research or whatever. And then, you know, they uh, were making a very clear tie into the Tuskegee experiments, which um, that's where that's where I start to float between like, I don't want I don't want it to get too heavy handed. Um, you know, it's it's it was subtle here, I think. Well, no, I take that back. It wasn't subtle because it it, it mirrors the Tuskegee experiments almost to a T, aside from it's, instead of a secret serum, you get syphilis. But other than, yeah. other than that, uh, it mirrors it mirrors this to a T. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm catching those sorts of things and just kind of like noting it, you know, just making sure that they're 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 using a delicate hand when having these uh making these references because like those sorts of things once you once you get into like uh you know real life american history like that and shit that happened to black people it's kind of like you want to you want to uh you want to use a delicate hand with that kind of stuff and I, I think they did by and large like they didn't they didn't you know you have to already kind of know about it to to even make the connection in the first place so uh but yeah i thought i i did think it was a good scene i i just you know i, I was sitting there like oh, okay i already we already talked about this so I, I hear you on that. And so when you're saying use a delicate hand, like who to, to who? Like, are you saying to for, for white people to because I know, like, listen, you know, listen, it's, since they're talking about race in here and, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit here. But it, is it to white people? Because a lot of white people don't like to hear bad things that their ancestors, or other white people did to black people. Uh, it's a reality for black people. Like I knew about the Tuskegee experiments, you know, I've heard about, I got family members that from that area. I've heard about it my whole life. Uh, this comic book or this run of, uh, of the black uh, Captain America was based on that. That's the reason why they made it was because of the Tuskegee experiment. When the writer wrote it, that it happened and he did that. He copied that to make it. So that that's why it does parallel it. Cause that was the intention for it to parallel it make it parallel but it comes so, down to when you look at the fan base the fan base most likely is i would say i don't know i don't know exact numbers but we're going to say majority of it most likely is white so it, it is if making it you know more culpable for for white people to, to understand or to get with uh, is their key i think they did a pretty good job at doing so but you still have to tell the story the way the story is meant to be told without considerations uh of people's uh of their own uh, personal feelings of how they, they i don't want to hear this i'm i'm watching a superhero show and i i don't care about real life history you know i don't care i'm trying to make an, an escape from it so i don't want to be weighed down by the politics of the time uh but if you look at all of comic books history they always dealt with political messages whether it's the mutants or or or, or uh, back when when uh, the Nazis were there or when you know they fought the Japanese and all World War One and World War Two, they always put those things into these comic books. So mm-hmm. it's always been there. So I don't, you know, so it all depends of how it's being pushed out. I I think they did it. As I said, a decent job at it. I truly understand the way you're saying, but. I do think that it, it it should be told and and it's a good story to be told and it's risky for them to do so, you know? Uh, and I applaud them for taking the risk and actually telling the story. Yeah. So uh, what I meant by that wasn't so much um, telling the story in a way that makes it uh, acceptable for a certain party. What I meant was the, the manner in which you present it. So give you an example, episode one, when they had the, the scene in the bank where, you know, Sam and Sam and Sarah couldn't get the loan that was a kind of like read in between the lines 
there's some some racial issues here. And then in episode two, they had a very like a very overt like uh, I was going to be racist before I realized you was the Falcon, like kind of thing like that. So when I say use a delicate hand, I mean, don't club me over the head with it like I'm a fucking idiot. Like, tell it, tell it, tell it to me like I'm like I'm smart. You know, don't don't just have like big neon signs that go racism, racism, racism like that. that so that's what I mean in the sense of like um, telling it using a delicate hand in that you're telling you're t- you're treating me like someone who has some sense and not just going like, hey, we want to talk about racism. So racism, racism, racism. So but yes, you're everything you said is spot on about uh, the history and the comics and all that kind of stuff. And I have no no issues whatsoever with having this this sort of content within a, a Disney Marvel show. I feel like we need to have it. It's just one of those things where like I as a as a uh, I don't I, 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 I'm praising myself a little bit too much. I think if I say a critic, but like, you know, as someone who's looking at this through a lens that's a little bit deeper than just I'm watching a TV show. I don't like to have something where it's where I feel like the, the uh, director or whoever is t- treating me like I'm not that smart. So I, I like, I like it to be a little bit more nuanced to where like you, you, you're reading between the lines. Like, Oh, okay. I see what's going on here as opposed to them just really telling you yeah. with like big giant arrows and shit like that. So um, that's what I meant by using a delicate hand. Okay. Hey, this is interesting. Joanne's feedback plays right into this. Um, She wrote to us. She loves the show. Thank you. Uh, She said, I love that Isaiah introduced the idea that no self-respecting black man would be Captain America. I wish he had said this back in episode two, and I wish this had been a larger focus of the show. I know Disney is going to dip their toe into issues like this, but I wanted Sam to wrestle with this. He moves quickly to practicing with the shield and we don't exactly get to hear why he disagrees with Isaiah's take. It's powerful that they went there at all, but they could have done so much more. I think that's interesting because as we take it further into the episode, right? And Sarah also comments where she says to Sam, you don't have to, you don't have to let, And then actually Sam says something very similar to Bucky after, right? She says, you don't have to let Isaiah's experience dictate yours, right? And then later Sam says to Bucky, stop asking everybody else (laughs) what you should do and figure it out yourself, right? Like be prepared to make a mistake and go forward. And I think that's an interesting idea because like um, you guys are talking about they're bringing in world real world stuff, which makes us relate to it. Part of relating to that is the idea that we as individual human beings have to have the ability, right. And freedom to make our own choices. And that Sam or each individual person can, with respect to the history that's behind them, also choose to make a choice that may be different from what other people think, right? So though Isaiah might say no self-respecting black man would be Captain America because of the his, the, blo- the blue-eyed, blonde-haired history of it, right? And really, honestly, Captain America is Steve, right? Like it's something else. It's this ideal. But I think to Sam, really, he knows the motherfucker. It's not, it, he knows that it's something else too, but he also knows that 
it's his friend, right? That he tried basically saved the entire universe with. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think about Joanne's idea of seeing Sam wrestle with that more in the episode? Like they're bringing up the ideas, but it's almost like he makes an internal decision. I'm going to do me right. And I'm going to do this shield. I don't know. What, how did you feel about that? Either. Um, so I, I hadn't considered that prior to Joanne saying that because the way I've looked at it the whole time with Sam is that Sam's been conflicted from day one. We just don't, we just don't see it. Like she said, like, so I'm assuming she means like, I need, I, I wanted to see some evidence of, of Sam being conflicted. Whereas like uh, Sam, I've known Sam's been conflicted since day one. So I didn't, I don't need to know that he's conflicted. I know he is, okay. but Interesting. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I would like to see, I don't know. I don't really know if I needed that, honestly. Like I, 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 I don't know. I feel like the, the perspective on that, I think is a little bit more interesting uh, coming from Joanne. Cause I mean, I, I know Joanne personally, so I know how she looks at uh, a lot of what's going on in the world right now. So um, I like the fact that she wanted to, to see Sam wrestle with that a little bit more. Uh, but I mean, I, I'd kind of already a- arrived at this is where Sam is going to end up anyway. So like while back, so I wasn't too, uh, I wasn't too surprised. I had other problems with uh, other problems with uh, how he arrived there, but uh, you didn't like the Rocky training video that he did. Before. The, the what tra- video? <laughs> the training video. The Rocky kind of like yes, crazy. that was yes, <laughs> that was, <laughs> yes. throwing the shield. Uh, yeah, and I, I, all right, so I, I'll, I'll touch on <laughs> both things real quick uh, if I can. Uh, yeah. So I agree with her. I, I think that they did let him auto- automatically just. All right, I'll be Captain America. Who cares what this man said? They, you know, they tried to to put some racism things in there that he went through uh, in the beginning in the first couple of episodes, as you said, with the bank and with the cops. And so when when Isaiah Bradley said to him, "No suffer," he he has some. They said, "All right, Sam, you do have some form of of uh, dealing with racism uh, in there." So you know, you could feel this way, and it's kind of. It's kind of what what happens to black people in this country every day. Uh, like 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 a lot of black people, you know, they remember their their mothers or their like me personally. I remember my mother. I heard stories of my mother that she told me. Uh, so a uh, civil rights movement and all these things like that and all that. So you have a bunch of black people who are still there because it's like you know all the our people have went through all that. Things still have not changed. Uh, things still you're still seeing black men shot dead in the street, just like you seen back then. You're still seeing injustice being done to black people, just like all the way back then. But now you see it a little bit more because the social media is and there's cameras all over. But you know those cameras during Rodney King and people still got off for that. So I think that that's they do show a certain type of struggle, but not. An, I would like to see a little bit more. Understand what she's saying. I agree with that, but it's mostly. When you deal with it, it's dealing with the whole series is dealing with legacy. And, and, they, and they have the boat there uh, as a metaphor of, all right, are you going to give up the legacy of our family? Are we going to preserve this legacy? And they changed Captain America from a man to a position like the president of the United States. Like they changed it yeah. to that. So it's a legacy now. The shield has a legacy and him seeing the blood on the shield. You know, so listen, 
them showing blood on the shield that this guy put on it. I didn't want to say that he murdered this guy in cold blood, but believe me, that shield's had a lot of blood on it over the years, all right? Since all the wars that Steve's been through, there's been a lot of blood on that goddamn shield. It ain't like, you know, this is the first time blood's ever touched Captain America's shield. So if they're trying to say like, oh, because he murdered the guy in cold blood, that's probably the only way they, they could justify it. But it deals more with, with legacy and it's pretty obvious that he's going to become the new Captain America. So I, I would look at it in a situation like we see right now in this country, a lot of police officers killing black men, all right, all the time, whether it's George Floyd, you can go through them all. Uh, you see it happen. It's billion, it happens all the time. So does that mean that no black people should ever become police officers? All right. So you could look at it that way. We have seen bad things that have happened to the captain uh, to the black Captain America, Isaiah Bradley. They did, they didn't give a chance to be Captain America, and we've seen the whitewashing for Steve Rogers. But does that mean a black man should not take the mantle? And when dealing with the police officers, just because we have seen many black people killed by police officers, does not mean a black person should not become a police officer because of all the injustice that has been done. Uh, this does not mean that because we've had racist presidents in the United States that a black man should not become president or senator. So I think that's what his his end decision is. And as for Isaiah Bradley getting a tribute, I think you will. In the end, I think like when you see the Captain America yeah. Memorial, I think there'll be a section for Isaiah Bradley. I think he'll get that done. But he's still alive. Maybe he could come out and he'll put something in there for him. Maybe he could come out and fight with him or something. I'm hoping. No, as as you said, they'll kill him. You know, he said, "I can't come." If they knew I was alive, they'd come kill me just like that. Uh, Just so the story didn't get out. So, I think there'll just be a memorial put there for him. And maybe you'll see him put up. Maybe you'll see Isaiah Bradley put on a baseball cap and go see it, since that seems to be the. uh, the skies of all the Captain America. Maybe at the end you'll see him with a baseball cap. Oh, at. wait! How about this? Last scene of the of the finale. He's sitting. Isaiah's sitting down with a baseball cap, and then the old Steve Rogers comes and sits down next to him, and like hands him like a coffee or something, you know. And they like sit God. and they chat and they, they talk a little bit. Oh, my and then the grandson comes up and he's like. Give me my outfit. I want to be a superhero too. Um, this is good stuff, guys. That's cool. Um, I, I think that to me, they went a good amount of deep. And I think that the conversation with Sarah, and I love her inclusion in this series because I think that she has been, and, and the, even the little kids that keep on calling him Uncle Sam, I like that. Um, Me too. <laughs> I think it's kind of cute, right? Every time they're just like, yeah. Uncle Sam. Um, but I think that she is a voice of of reason and kind of like a voice of the audience in a sense when she's talking. And I think she kind of breaks down what we're saying. So, Joanne, I agree with you. I think that it's always nice to go deeper into things. Always. We want this. This is why we discuss it and watch it. But I think for this show, I think that they did a really good job in this episode. And Tony, what you said about the legacy of the boat and the legacy of the shield and then the way that Bucky helps him build the boat, which maybe was a little long. And I like the music, though. I'm a New Orleans jazz fan and I I love New Orleans. So anytime I just love it. 
but I thought that was kind of cool. What did you all think? Because one of the things Mike and I had talked about is that a theme of this season is kind of Bucky gets woke and Bucky all of a sudden realizes, oh, shit, there, American history happened while I was out killing motherfuckers and doing whatever, right? Like real shit was happening to people. And guess what? Sam is a black man taking the shield and this has historical resonance. What did you think of his apology, Tony, of Bucky's kind of apology to him? I thought it was all right. You know, I think that it's good that they even mentioned it, like that they that they said, hey, there is an apology that should be made. And uh, we had never considered Steve never considered yeah. what it means for a black person to don that shield because, you know, and that's what it is. See, a lot of times, especially in dealing with American situations, uh, a lot of white people, they don't consider what black people go through and how could they because they're not black. So it's hard for them to see it until it's pointed out to you. You know what I mean? And then like, Oh, okay. Yes. Now I can get it. And it goes both ways. It goes the other way, you know? So I thought that it was good that they did that. And you're right, Bucky. I think everyone gets woke in this. This is what the whole thing is. The awakening of everyone. His sister gets woke dealing with her family legacy. She wanted to sell the boat in the beginning. And she realized she can't paint over the name. We're going to put a new coat of paint on it. And that's it, you know, and all she had to do to get this done was really just calling some help from the local people, the people that her family have helped throughout all the years. And yeah, that's something that that's important too, that, that, you know, you don't have to depend on banks and that's what it tries. You know, if you have community, if you have a community, you don't have to depend on banks and other things to get you by. You can yeah. get by with a solid community. And everyone has, to, especially when you have parents who've helped so many people that they've had helped. Of course, they're going to do the same thing uh, in, 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 in return. So, yes, I, I, I think that you're 100 percent right. Bucky does get woke in this uh, again. Like, you know, but I don't like Bucky's character this 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 whole series. I don't like it at all. Uh, I don't like, but I do like that part of it. But as for him being a winter soldier, I think that they 100% depowered this man. Because uh, when I look at Captain America's Civil War, I mean, winter soldier, this was a juggernaut of a man. And he is nothing like that at all. Like the winter soldier from Captain America would have tore through everyone and done it easy. And yeah. here he's struggling. To fight, getting you know a brand new Captain America who just got some juice in him, and he's struggling to fight against guys beating both of them up like he's Iron Man. So, I, I think they depowered him, and I don't like the fact that they did that. What do you? Yo, I, I real quick, I, I really like Tony's point about um, about Sarah because I, I that, that's an example. I'm, I'm sorry about the whole thing about the boat and, uh, and, and having community because that's what that's the kind of storytelling that I like to see. Like uh, when I mentioned the delicate hand, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about where, you know, you can, you, you pick up on those things reading in between the lines that kind of like peek behind the curtain. Like, you know, if you have community, you can get this kind of shit done calling in favors. Cause you got that old black grandma who, who was helping everybody on the block and never, everybody owes something, you know, you can go over there and get some food. Like it, it gives people, like a, some insight into the culture, but without going like, look at this, look at this, look at this. So like, I, I thought that was a really good scene um, that, that, that just the way they, they handle all of that, I thought was really good. Yeah. And I think that that also plays into Carly and what's happening with the GRC, right? Where they are showing you on a microcosm, 
that even an Avenger is turned away by the establishment and has to turn to his fellow people, right? Who are in his community. And this is similar to what Carly is finding with the return after the snap, I guess, do they call it the return? Is that, I don't know. Is it the blip? Right? The, it the blip? blip? But what's the, is it the blip is but when it, is it the snap and the blip? Is the blip the two, return? There's two things. I've noticed two. I don't know if the return's <laughs> called the blip. I, I know it's a name. There is a yeah. name for it. Yeah, the blip. But I, I thought like there should be a distinction like the snap and the there, return and it's all the blip. There are two names. There, there's there's okay. a name for what Thanos did and his name for yeah. them coming back. Okay, cool. Yeah. But I don't know exactly. I'm thinking the blip was the name for them coming, coming back, back, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Um. I think that that really speaks a lot to the overall theme of the show too, which, and we're going to see, which is Sam uh, still, he's trying, like, even though we have get only a little bit of Carly this episode, really just that they're going to mess up this GRC meeting, right? That's basically what we get. We, we also, we're going to get into her meeting with, um, uh, I always get his name wrong, Balrock, Baltrock, uh, and what that has to do with the power broker and all that. But I think that it's kind of cool the way that still Sam's uh, like ideals, and they often do this in this Marvel, right? This MCU that people can have similar ideals, but the way they go about it is different. So they have the ability to kind of understand each other. And I like the, I, I like that we're in the second to last episode and Sam is still grappling with the ideas that Carly has and thinks that she can somehow be reformed. Still, he still kind of has some sort of hope for her after all of this, because he, and he also finds the hope in the community. So I wonder going into this battle, if Sam's going to have an opportunity, is he just going to fight Carly and somebody's going to defeat her and kill her? Maybe John gets in the way or are they going to have some sort of resonant moment between them that has to do with healing their communities or understanding where they're from? Cause that's so much of what Carly has to say. As far as Bucky goes, my point with Bucky is I totally agree with you, Tony. I think that this is actually this series should be called the Falcon and kind of a little bit of the winter soldier too, when it serves the plot. And that is what it is. And maybe if they do another season, which I hope they do, it'll be the winter soldier and the Falcon. And we'll really get deeper into Bucky building himself up because really you're completely right. Tony, I mean, he was throwing dudes down a street length back in the day. And now he's just getting hit by the shield and getting thrown back into stuff. And we do know that it's because of his emotional state. He has to build himself back up to use, to wield the power he has righteously and feel as though he's helping people and not. I can remember back in the day when I played basketball, I used to suck because I'm a big dude and people used to fight with me and I didn't know I used to get too aggressive on the basketball court until my coach taught me that I could be aggressive and also be a good sport 
right? And play a good game. And that's kind of what Bucky needs to learn, right? Like he needs to learn how can I be aggressive and a, and a super soldier, but not go with the supremacy angle that Zemo was talking about. Actually try to uplift people and help people. How, because he never really, he never had the time to learn how to be a hero. And that's what Bucky needs to learn how to be. So my hope is that if they do a second season, it's really more about Bucky. Cause I'm trying to look through, you know, we get a little bit of, um, Sam saying to him, stop apologizing people to people and uplift them. And I immediately thought, oh, he's going to go back to Yoshi, right? And really tell him about what happened with his son. And then we're going to find out his son is the power broker, baby. (laughs) I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask. It it sounds like you took away the same thing that I took away from it. So I was was wondering what you took away from that that conversation. And then when you started talking about next season, it made me wonder if, well, if there is a next season, if if that's going to be something that's going to be safe for a second season, oh. or if that's something that's going to come back in this, in this final episode, because that, it, that it better fucking come back. Like the, you can't just leave that kind of shit hanging. So uh, that, that needs to come. Yeah. I need some closure on that. Yeah. And he owes that yeah. girl a second date. I think you will. <laughs> right. You'll get that closure because they set that up already in the show, because you see, the uh, you know U.S. agent, I guess we can call him, right, John Walker. Yep, yep. You see him lie to the parents mm-hmm. that he killed the person that killed their son. So you see the lie and how that had the effect. So you're going to see Bucky do the opposite because he's not been telling the guy the truth. He's going to go back and tell the guy the exact truth, exactly what happened to his son and why it happened to his son and everything. You know, mm-hmm. uh, this like this, it's the same situation. When dealing with uh, Tony Stark, right, and, and and Bucky, and why he had problems with him, like there was information there that Cat Steve yeah. Rogers didn't tell Tony. Like he knew that he killed his parents, but the fact that he held that information back started the whole civil war in the end. And if he would have explained to him, listen, this is what happened. He was under mind control. He didn't know what he was doing. You would have gave Tony Stark a chance to process the grief mm-hmm. and get over the grief to a point that he could. But the fact that he found out about it in the moment, only thing he's thinking about it, just do kill my mom and I'm going to hurt him for it. So I think that's what they're going for when they deal with this. And that's why they showed that clip. So, yeah, Bucky's going to go back without a doubt and tell this guy that he took out his son. Yeah. I, I do you now I joke that we're going to find out that his son is the power broker, because at this point, um, you know, one of the biggest things of the episode is is the reveal here of um Selena Meyer. I'm just kidding, that was her name in Veep. Um but uh we we had a big reveal here of the what 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 who see I don't know enough about the comics. Maybe you do maybe you know more um than than us or I don't know if what you know. Yeah, she was she's mad and playing a woman that's 
uh, called Madam Hydra in the comics. Uh, oh, she okay. actually was a love interest of Nick Fury uh, in the comic books. Because at that particular time, they were trying to give love interest to everybody. And uh, she was <laughs> like a Russian agent and a double agent and a triple agent. And she was all these different things. And that's tr- truly where she comes from, our origination in, in the comic books. Uh, how they're going to play it, I don't know. But that that's what, what she was. She was Nick Fury's love interest. She was like a triple agent. And okay. she was known as Madam Hydra in the comic books. But I always know her as Elaine Bettis. Yeah, <laughs> of course, man. That was in a, first of all, I mean, Contessa Valentine Allegra de Fontaine. Um, I, I, we, we had talked a little last week that there may be a big, that there was supposed to be a big reveal that um, Malcolm Spellman, the showrunner and, and creator of this show, had said that he wanted this person to work with Thor. Now I kind of get it. I think that the comedic thing going on here was fun. I was told I had no idea. I mean, I don't think this leaked at all anywhere that she was going to so, be no. on the show. And no. I think it's interesting because for some older people, like I see her as Elaine, right? And Selena Meyer from Veep and everything. I never thought that I would see Julia Louis-Dreyfus in the Marvel Universe <laughs> with like purple streaks in her hair. Yeah, I don't casting. know if I like it. I love her. I, that's I what I was going to say. But I don't yeah. know if I like it. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. Yeah. Tony, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, when you have, I like it when you cast actors that you really truly don't know. Such an iconic actress who is known for comedy. And then they put her in, in a comedic type position. All right. I don't know. Like to me, the comedy, it didn't fall (laughs) right. Like the jokes didn't fall. She's a very funny woman. And obviously she, she has, obviously has great timing. To me, it didn't fall right. And I think Marvel has this problem that they want every one of their movies to have a large comedy element to it. Not everybody's funny in real life. You know, not everybody is good at it. You know, it works with certain people. And I think that's one thing that I wish they would get away from is not everyone has to have a joke. Not everybody has to be funny. Not everybody's Eddie Murphy. You know, that's what makes Eddie Murphy special. That's what makes them because they're funny and you're not. And that's what makes you laugh about it. <laughs> so I, I I didn't think that it fell right, the, the jokes, especially as a serious character as she's supposed to be, the way they had her making the jokes and, oh, she's good. I know this about you. I know this about you. And call me and here's a card that has nothing on it. Now make sure you answer the call, blah, blah, <laughs> yeah, I, It just didn't, it didn't fall right to see her there. Because I, I, like I said, when I see her, She's Elaine Bettis, you know, <laughs> and, and that's it. I love Elaine. I would, I love Elaine. I truly oh, did love Elaine, but I just don't know. I, I think, and when I, I said this before, when they're dealing with this Inhuman stuff, when they have all these known actors in this Inhumans movie, I mean, uh, the Eternals movie, I just don't know if it's really going to work because of that. Yeah. What do you think, Mike? No, I, I I feel him on that too. Like I, the only time where it wasn't incredibly distracting to me was with Robert Redford, and even then it was still like 
it, it's it's really hard for me to distract from seeing these like super well-known like yeah. legendary actors and like the same thing you said like the eternals is is chock full of people who i know from all over the place that's crazy. like it's gonna be like that shit doesn't that shit have uh angelina uh, jolie I rob think? stark from game of thrones yes. isn't uh yep. isn't he in that and like john, uh, john snow and yeah i'm like they ju- didn't they recently add kit harrington too so yep. like yeah so it's like that yeah, it, it's it's a bit much. Although I, I liked her appearance, you know, it was like it, it was an okay scene. Uh, the the jokes again, w- you know, I agree they were a little. Eh. I didn't I didn't think it was bad. It was fine. Um, I didn't walk away from it like holy shit, Julia Louis Dreyfus is here. It was like all right, cool. Uh, I thought they gassed it up a little bit too much, honestly, because uh, I feel like they gassed up a character appearance as opposed yeah, to an actor yeah. appearance, and that's all about the that's all about it being her. Like that was not about like, oh, we're about to hit you guys. Cause you remember the quote I read said something like, oh, when you see this person, you're gonna cry. Like, what the fuck? Like it was like, like no one, no one was checking for her at all. Like the character, <laughs> I should say. Uh, nobody was checking for that character. So I, I don't know. I, I I thought it was a cool scene or whatever, but I definitely wasn't blown away. But I think it's one of those things now at this point where I'm I'm taking these little these little things that they're dropping with like the entire fucking bottle of salt. Cause like it it they, you know. Bettany pulled that shit during WandaVision. Now they did did it with this one, making me think there's going to be some huge character and shit. I'm just going to... Uh, they, they do that again. I'm just going to be like, all right, we'll see. Yeah. I I found it to be a bit distracting. I, I, I got to agree. Um, I loved it because I love her. And I was... I'm never upset to see her in anything. And I just think she's absolutely amazing and in many ways like... I don't know. She's like our generation's Lucille Ball or something. Like to me, she's a comedic genius and not just for science, so much of her work. So it did throw me off. I have to say I had the same problem with Guardians of the Galaxy 2 um, with Kurt Russell, Wyatt Russell's dad. <laughs> it threw me when when he popped up in that movie. Uh, not popped up. I knew he was going to be a part of it. It really took me a f- like a good 10 or 15 minutes to settle down and not just see that Marvel had cast him. That's why their casting is so great sometimes, but they can literally get anybody they want. So sometimes they should go a little lower, you know, like not go for the big star. And and impress us with someone that they discovered. And I think that that's kind of a good way to go in the future. But they didn't do it this time. I don't know much about the character. For me, I'm trying to figure out. So am I to believe that now we have this whole circle here? I mean, coming, this was, you know, the second to last episode here. Um, the... She was sent to meet Walker on behalf of the power broker. She works for the power broker. That's what I assumed. And she most likely is the power broker. They're okay, going to make anyone a power broker. The power they're going to have okay. bring her in and make her an important person. Then you make her the power broker. You put her in there and she's the power broker. I would think See, that, I, that would be it. I thought that was way too obvious, though. Like I wrote that down. Like, is she the power broker with a question mark? Because I'm like, I wouldn't like that. Like, 
I feel like everybody's that that's that should have been the thought that every single person had in that moment. Is yeah. she the power broker? And if everybody has that thought in that moment, then it's not much of a surprising reveal. Like if they reveal her to be the power broker in the next episode, I'm gonna be like, okay, well, no shit. Like, like so I, 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 I wouldn't really like that. Mm. But I, I but now I'm starting to feel the same way about Sharon being the power broker. Yeah, it's, and Sharon is so obvious too. Like yeah. they're both are like if, if any both of them any one of them become the power broker it's ho-hum you know what i mean it's like all right they're the power broker next let's move on you know and, and that's the way it is but you need someone i don't think they have the care now listen if you if, if they go that route and say hey the kid that you that bucky supposedly killed he's the power broker because that would be a great reveal that would be great if they did that but I have for no confidence <laughs> in Marvel after WandaVision. I have no no confidence whatsoever in them, especially with Paul Bettany with the straight trolling of, oh, this is the actor I've always wanted to work with. Really, son? It's really yourself? Come on, man. You know, <laughs> I, like, come on, bro. Really? You know what I'm saying? So I have no confidence in them. Everything that they've done in WandaVision was so obvious that I think that that's the way they're putting it out there. It's just everything is, it seems obvious. That's what it is. That's the yeah. way Marvel's rolling with it. I don't think you give uh, uh, Ellen, Louis Stewart, whatever you want to, want to call it, Elaine, <laughs> I, I don't think you bring her in, uh, an actor of that magnitude, and say, hey, you're going to be a two-minute part in the end of a, of, a, of a TV series. I think you have to court her with, hey, you're going to be this and your character really is this power broker. And we're going to put you in this movie and you're going to be in this movie after blah, blah, blah. I think you have to, to get her, to obtain her, you have to give her more. I don't think she's just coming in for a, a two second cameo, like a Brad Pitt did in the, um, in Deadpool. I, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think she's, she's willing to do that. Yeah. Well, she it's a is a combination of both. Oh, that it's going to be, she is going to be a character that's going to hang around and have some longevity but not the power broker. And I don't think the power broker is going to extend beyond this, this show. I feel like the power broker is going to be just for this, which is why I feel Sharon fits in a little better with that. Cause Sharon being more like a tertiary character, it's like, okay, you know, we can have Sharon be the power broker in this up in this, in this show. And then we can leave it there and then maybe bring her back as needed every now and then. And then they can do what you said with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and have her, have her actually play out something with her, uh, her Madam Hydra character, maybe with this uh, clearly what they're working toward with like the secret invasion angle that they're going with, you know, they could they can sell her on that, but without being the power broker. That's my hope anyway, that I'm projecting. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. You know, gosh, I have to say that I thought that she wasn't the power broker because it's too obvious. But Tony, you're right. They did spend almost an entire episode of WandaVision saying, hey, if you didn't catch the, the last five, here's what happened. So they are laying things out very. And as DJ Tim Hines had commented as calling this kind of like a family show, this is a show that is not, you know, they're not trying to make it too deep and difficult. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, they're not trying to put like Westworld season two vibes to this. They're trying to make it fun, and so you're thinking about it. I like Sharon as the power broker more, and the reason why is because of her history with Steve and it being the power broker of the super serum, right, and her turning against the government. I just think that there's more of us to attach our 
kind of fandom to and what we've seen before. We have more of her character introducing someone like this, though. I agree with you, Tony. She is. She is in Black Widow, by the way. So she and I I don't know that that's like a I I don't know if I'm spoiling. I wasn't supposed to say that, but that's fine. No, that's that's open news. Okay, her debut was supposed to be Black Widow, but since it got pushed back. Yeah, exactly. So she does have a bigger role. So it would make sense if she's not the power broker. It also makes sense that she is. that She's in that movie. You know, she may be known as the power broker here and and this person here. And she wears many hats that I like. You know what I mean? Some people know her as this. Some people know her as that. So I think that they may go that route with her character and stuff, you know. So I said it. I love her. I, I love her enough to let everything slide, but yeah, that's how it I wasn't feel. a great big reveal. <laughs> that was not the, the reveal I want. And it's just like, this like uh WandaVision, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pietro just being Mr. Boner, you know, that's not the reveal I want. You know, the <laughs> only one who got boned was us with that whole situation. Well, but Hey, and I think that's why they use that name. And I would have 100%. I think though, I'll, I'll have to, I have to, chime in which is i think that was actually confirmation of what we thought because if you think about it what he is is the alternate universe pietro who is boner pietro still existed in the other universe as her brother and she recognized him because she's in touch with the multiverse through her powers you see I what I'm trying to that. say? I think this, what this <laughs> these TV shows seem to be to me is just a way to show off all the new costumes for these <laughs> Avengers before they get a movie out. And that's what it seems to yeah, be to me. They're pretty good. That, all this is just to show off new costumes <laughs> of these characters before their movie comes out. This is to debut all the costumes. They got the big Scarlet Witch costume debut. Yeah. Now you're going to get the big Valken costume debut. In the Loki series, you're going to get the big Loki costume. I guess, this is what it is. <laughs> Just the big costume reveals before they can put movies out. That's what I think these shows are for. Well, we got to wear yeah. something at Halloween. We can't We, we can't keep on being, uh, what's that DC character, the girl that everybody dresses up as now? Joker's girl. You know, oh, Harley, Harley Quinn. Quinn. Yeah, Harley <laughs> Quinn. Every girl in America, right, is like, I'm Harley Quinn. I'm bad. Um, all right. What do you all think of Torres, Joaquin, becoming the new Falcon? He's got his wings. Um, I think this is a comic book um, yeah. story as well. I like that because you know what? I really like this kid. I knew he from the beginning when they introduced him, they gave him some nice fat close-ups. They said his name four times. You knew he was going to be important. I like his little play with Bucky where he's kind of messing with him when he sees him again. Um, so I think that's kind of cool. I like that they're setting that up. The grandson. I like they're setting up Torres. What do you, you think this is going to happen, guys? Probably. Yeah. Um, maybe I just, maybe I, next episode? You think he's going to show happen, up? What, what was that? You think he's going to show up next episode and help Sam and, and fight? Probably. I, I just, I, I do feel it's a little rushed. Not, and rushed, it could it could have not been rushed. But I, I feel like, you know, we we saw Torres maybe like, he gets maybe like 
a, a scene. He got he got some time in the first episode. Now I feel like we didn't see him for maybe like three episodes or something like that. And if you if you want to elevate him to that position, I want to see him on the screen a little bit more, get to know him a little bit more. But um, again, that doesn't necessarily mean like all of a sudden there's going to be a Falcon movie that comes out in 2022 starring this guy. So it's, it doesn't mean that. But, um, you know, I, I'd like to see him get a little bit more time uh, where we can get to know him a little bit better before that becomes something official. But, yeah, I think that's probably the direction we're headed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's what they did in the comic book. So and if you look at Marvel's push, uh, what this phase actually is, uh, this next phase, this phase is 100 percent about diversity and including people from different races. Uh, you see Shang-Chi, they're trying to bring in an Asian hero. So they're going to bring in uh, a Latino hero. Uh, and, you know, they have to have none. So they have to bring someone in. And this is going to be how they bring it in. So 100%, I don't mind him being that. I don't know if we'll ever see him in a movie. I don't know if that will be the case, but I think if they do series like this, this is when he pops up. He'll be the Valken in these little series. Will he be in like an Avengers movie? I, I don't think so. I don't think he'll be in an yeah. Avengers movie at all. But uh, getting back to the Power Broker real quick. Okay. One thing I wanted to say is the Power Broker sets up a great storyline. To me, my favorite storyline in all of Captain America, and that is Scourge of the Underworld. So, if they are intending to go to that scourge of the underworld world storyline and do that for a future movie, then it's very important. I won't spoil the movie that you find out who this power broker is. Cool. All right. That's cool. That's good stuff. I love the remixing that they do and the way that they bring characters in. And Tony, I liked what you said about the Contessa having many different names, right? Like the dread like pirate Roberts, right? Like you, maybe she's different people. Maybe she's different. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like that mystery and they have kind of set up the power broker like that. How about we don't find out who the power broker is too. Like that's, I'm okay with that as well. I like these kind of, mysterious things it's just like when they set up the mcu in the beginning with the mysterious objects that we later found out were the stones that led to right if you didn't read the comics and you were just watching movies it was it was like a MacGuffin, right like hitchcock thing where it's just something that interests you and propels the the plot along but the fact that it becomes something newer and bigger is cool Speaking of newer, we do get a we do get a um, a little what a, the little uh, secret scene in the credits here where we see uh, John Walker making a new shield and becoming what we all knew he's going to become U.S. agent. Um, so it looks like he's going to go and fight too. He is going to fight Carly. And he is he going to fight for Carly? Is he fighting against Carly? Because <laughs> to go back to the power broker, we see Carly in the park, which is looks like a very nice park, by the way. I wonder where that was. They always shoot in beautiful locations. And um, Bartrock comes and he gives them some new kind of weapons. And he was on the phone with Sharon 
And we know this from the from the uh, some sluice on the internet, some subtitling. But you could figure it out from watching I, it too. I, I watch it with subtitles, and okay. I peeped that. I was like, yeah. "Oh, I probably should have known that." <laughs> <laughs> well, they know. I mean, you could. I think it was a pretty from the way they revealed they cut it later. It. But yeah, it was like, yeah. yeah, in the phone call, like she's saying something, and then the subtitle says like says Batrock, and then it has what he says, even though the viewer can't really hear what he's saying. So that's how I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't know that yet. Yeah, I like that, though. But I'm trying to figure out then if if they are the power broker, do they now know that there's no serum to get, right? So are they just trying to use Carly for whatever purposes they can? What what's the advantage of having is John Walker going to show up? Is he going to aid Carly? Is he going to be against her? Because now it would seem like they're actually all together on the same side, even though they may have different goals. Do do either of you have this kind of worked out in your head? No, (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think he's going to come for Sam. Yeah, okay. he's everyone's on their own mission, right? I think that's what everyone has their own agenda in there. U.S. agent is is going there to, to kill Carly because she she killed his boy. Yeah, that's his agenda. He's who wants to kill her. He's going there for that. Uh, Barack is going there to kill Sam. Uh, Carly's going there to blow up the building. Uh, everyone has their own agenda. Who's going to this thing? So it's just all, and they're all just going to meet up and eventually settle the score with everything else. But. It just sets up when you really look at it, this him becoming U.S. agent, because as we already seen, we've seen them um, take Baron Zemo to the place he should have been in the beginning. Like, how wasn't he locked away in this water underwater prison from the beginning? Why did he get to go to this regular prison? That was stupid. They should have had him in a Wakanda prison and broke him out of there. And that would have been a more feasible story to me because I can't see the why the Wakandas would allow him. But that either that you see him go there now. In the end, you will see John Walker also arrive there. And the person who runs that prison is Thunderbolt Ross. So I think you get the beginnings of the Thunderbolts uh, from that. You put them all in the same location and that's how it goes. And she probably has something to do with Thunderbolt Ross also. Because, you know, because he's in the Black Widow movie also, you know, so she probably has something to do with him also. I think that's what they're leading up to is this Thunderbolts TV show, how how he's going to collect all these villains and have, you know, the Suicide Squad of the Marvel Universe. I like that. I I was going to ask what you guys thought about how they handled Zemo. Uh, to kind of get toward that, because I feel like that is kind of where we're going with with, what Tony just said. But, yeah, like I saw a lot of. uh, unhappiness uh, on the internet with how Zemo was handled. Like, oh, he's got him up out of here that quick and easy and that's it and we're done. Uh, so I, I was curious to see what you guys thought about uh, one, whether or not we were done with Zemo and two, if so, how you felt about it. Well, I think Tony is is right. They're definitely setting something up here. To me, I thought the interesting part was how Bucky puts the gun to his head and pulls the trigger with no bullets and then just drops the bullets, which is basically kind of saying like, Hey, you don't have control over me anymore. I'm going to do this last act of you were controlling me right now. I control you, but I choose not to kill you. 
I choose a different path. And I think it was an abrupt ending. It, it settles the score for Wakanda in a sense, right? That, and within in universe, that's kind of cool. I wasn't blown away by it. I expected maybe something a little bit more, a little bit more flair too from Zemo, but I thought it was okay. I thought he served his purpose in, in this series and he was really a side character. So it would have been nice for him to be tied into things a little bit bigger. Like maybe he's the power broker or he had somehow created this whole thing just to break himself out to do something else, you know, but this is Marvel. We could find that out four movies from now. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. I mean, I was okay with it though. I will say I was a little disappointed because I wanted to see a little more flair from him at the end, but I thought it was kind of cool that they actually had a little bit of a moment of healing there and where he too said, like, I cross my name out of your book, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe it, in a sense, it's kind of almost the same yeah. ending he had with the Black Panther, right? When he was going to kill himself at the end of Black Panther and Black Panther saved his life and, you know, caught the gun in his hand and pulled it away. And was like, that's not, you know, that's not your choice to make. You don't have to kill yourself, yada, yada, yada. Which also, you know, kind of sets up that if T'Challa, the king of Wakanda, whose father was murdered, didn't kill him, allow him to be killed. It seems like he got over the fact that he killed his father. So why would the Wakandas come all this way and say, oh, you broke him out of jail? It this, you know, like, like there's certain things and probably I'm nitpicking on certain things. But you, are, you nitpick a little bit. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that. Hey. But there's certain things that just rub me wrong. Like yeah. the throwing of this damn shield. Like to me, Captain America was able to make that shield bounce all over the place because he was a super soldier. Yeah. I've seen now two regular human beings throw that shield just as good as Captain America. And this shield gets stuck in a tree, but yet you can catch it with your bare hands. I just, I don't understand, understand it. You know what I mean? How could it get stuck inside of a tree? Then those pads are so powerful. Yeah, it, what are these pads? What made them? It, can, it, can't, it can't go through a tree. It bounces off these pads, and you can catch it with your bare hands. Things like that. Maybe I'm too critical. No, no, you're not. Now, that, that's People, not too critical, because that's yeah. what I meant when I said that I had some issues with the training shit. That's yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about. It well, going into the tree, but bouncing off the pads, catch it with his hands. <laughs> and then when Sam and Buck were talking earlier and just casually Throwing it around, I mean, it wasn't casually. They were throwing it hard, but Sam had no issues with it. He's like catching it, bam, boom, boom, <laughs> tree, tree. Buck catches it. They're like passing it back and forth yeah. like a Captain America football. And then the training session starts, and now he like he's like flipping around. It's like going in the opposite direction. I'm like, man, you got a lot worse with that shit over the course of the past few hours. Like, yeah, it man. was it was a little. I um, the, yeah. Two points, Mike, you're totally right that it seemed like he lost all of his skills and had to go through a training regiment to regain them or something like we missed the part where he was in a horrible accident and had to recoup from it. Right. We just went to him recouping um, so they could get the Rocky training in. I forgive it, of course, but it's just like in the beginning 
when they're sh- when they're showing John Walker before he takes the serum and he's doing superhuman shit, right? Like they're showing the videotape on Good Morning America and he's doing stuff that no human being can do. No matter how, you know, his muscle has been, you know, like the scientists studied him. So that's just, that's Marvel, right? These are superhumans and um I don't know, you know, maybe I'm off base here by just seeing X-Men and everything, but I feel like there is um a little bit of a some people are special, more special than other people, right? And they're not they're, they didn't take a serum or they didn't take a they're not aliens and maybe that's somehow more setting up x-men stuff like you know maybe sam is like half mutant or something i don't know like you can, <laughs> i'm trying to figure something out. but it was kind of funny the way because especially that one when he does the little flip first and then he sticks his hand up and he misses it but it hits the porch and I was kind of like, that's going to go through the house. <laughs> like, where are the kids? It's like, Uncle Sam, help me. You know, it was uh, it was a little crazy. But so he opens this briefcase, and this is a new Falcon, a Wakanda Falcon wings and outfit and all that kind of stuff. That's what's going to be in this. I know this is comic book stuff, too, but it's pretty, I mean, it seemed pretty obvious that that's what that's going to be. Am I right about that? I I, fi- I assumed that from the the moment that he receives the briefcase, but the fact that they spend the whole episode with him not they don't revisit it, and then we don't see the uh, briefcase again until the end, and then he opens it and we don't see it. They're making a big deal out of what's in that briefcase, and I feel like a new Falcon outfit or some new wings is um, not enough. I know it's something that, that a little bit less than what they're making it out to be. So I'm th- I, I, at, by the end of the episode, I was wondering if it was some different kind of like Captain America costume. Ah, that's what I thought. It, Mike, that's exactly what I thought that right. it was going to be like a mix up. You know what I mean? Like it is. Th- yeah. that's what they have in the comic book, a mashup of the Captain America Falcon comic. Okay, suit. cool. So they have that in the in the comic book. So that's what it'll be. It'll be a Falcon super with the Captain America symbols on it and stuff. And then obviously they'll have it made of vibranium. Uh, and that that's what it'll be. It's uh, that that's what I mean. Listen, did they pull a Pulp Fiction in this one? Yes, of course. Uh, you know, uh, but we will see the payoff. That would be the difference. Yeah, that, that's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so well. they're just trying to sell new stuff. And these TV series seem to me just ways to show new costumes for these characters. <laughs> well, and that's, that's how they're going to introduce them. And so that they don't, don't pop up in the movies with these new costumes. Like, hey, where'd that come from? They're giving you the backstory of how these yeah. characters got these costumes. Now. I, I like it. I think that's cool to me because... That is when you think about the MCU in general and when they first launched the TV uh, part with Jeff Loeb and they made it so separate from the films, they sold it like it was going to be like this, where we were going to get that fill in the gap stuff, but they weren't able to sustain that because they didn't have actual film unit working with them. But now they do. And I'm happy with that. And I think that these two shows set a good groundwork 
And eventually, hey, they're just starting out, really. It's really like a studio that's just starting out with their TV unit. And I think four or five, six shows down, they'll create, maybe we will have a Torres Falcon series, you know, and we really get into him and we get, you know, we'll have different, maybe a U.S. agent darker series you know because they set up a lot of stuff with his wife in there and they you know they're they went they went kind of textured on it so i'm kind of cool with that tony even if if it is in a sense uh introducing new costumes i'm i'm i, I like i know it's i know you're kind of half joking there but it's kind of cool because that's how the comic books were right like you'd you'd have like kind of um, bottle comic bottle episodes where it just happens within that one comic, but then you have larger series and then you have the big team ups. And if they kind of set up the films and the TV shows like that, I think they're giving us kind of the best of both worlds and allowing us to go deeper. Um, so next week we're going to head into the finale here and we're going to get this big, uh, big blow up, big fight anyone have any predictions let's kind of we've been chatting a while if there's anything else you wanted to talk about we just kind of wrap things up but um what do you what do you see happening Uh, i don't have any crazy predictions any any anything more than what we've already discussed i mean um i still i'm gonna i'm gonna stay on the sharon is the power broker horse that uh that i've been on pretty much all season um, I, I really want to see again us revisit the the Japanese guy Bucky's Bucky's uh, situation over there. I don't want that to be a, a future season thing. I want that to be something that happens in this next episode. Um, I you know I just I like to see my loose ends tied up. So yeah. um, I like the idea of although what you said I really like the idea of, of uh, the Japanese guy being the power broker though. Like that that would be a nice way to wrap everything up in like the the perfect bow. Uh, but still give you a little bit of a, Oh shit. Like, so I, I dig that. Um, I think we'll probably see a, even more of a descent for uh, John. I think we'll probably see, uh, I think we're probably done. I feel like we're probably done with Wakanda, but we might get, we might get a little bit more Zemo. I hope we do. I think that the, the, the idea of setting up Thunderbolts will be, um, there's more work to be done there. So I'd like to see some of that, but I, I don't have any crazy predictions at this point. I, I, I crazy prediction myself out uh, with WandaVision <laughs> and, uh, and, and this earlier. So that's, that's really all I got. I just want, I just, all I want out of it is it's for it to wrap up. Well, uh, tie up any loose ends and give me something satisfying and entertaining. Yeah. yeah same you, old, same old. You'll get the Thunderbolts thing with, with you'll see him. Thunderbolt Ross go to the raft and you'll see him grab John Walker up and Zemo. That that's guaranteed, I think, in the post credit scene. That's how that will wrap you up. You said uh, see you you were saying you weren't giving them no credit after WandaVision, but now you're very confident. No, I, the right I, know thing that, I know they're gonna do that because they gotta set that series up. Mm-hmm. So they they're gonna do that without a doubt. Now, WandaVision is a different situation. <laughs> they they teased you and didn't pay off the tease. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So they're teasing you here because they've 
giving you the raft and everything else. You're putting all these criminals in one spot. So John Walker will get locked up there. And then you'll see, because she's talking already, there are people interested with, you know, Elaine is saying that people are interested in your blood, the right people, yada, yada. And if you were to kill more people and they get in court, they wouldn't have cared. That's Thunderbolt shit right there, because that's how they get down. You know what I mean? So she most likely would be working with Thunderbolt Ross when it's all said and done. And she will most likely be revealed it to be the, the power broker. Uh, as many other names in there. Sam will get his new suit and maybe we'll see the Falcon in his old suit or we'll see him. Maybe if they don't bring him in there to do something, you see him try it on or you see him open up the body, you know, you see him in the suit somehow or something. They'll do something with that. They're not going to leave that. And you will see Bucky, I think, tie up the thing with the, with the old, with the old man. I think that's how it ends when it's all said and done. Uh, Sharon Carter, They'll do something. I don't know what they'll do exactly, how they'll end it, but they have to go back to her. Somehow they have to go back. She has to be involved somehow. Oh, I was doing this all the time because I knew this was going to happen. I was really working with you guys. They'll do something with her. It, it won't just end with the, with the way they have it. So I don't know if they'll tarnish the, the Carter name like that and truly make her a villain. I, I don't think they'll do that. I, I do have one one question for the both of you, though, and I'm wondering if the, if – because I, I guess I took something different away from this than most people did. But in um, I think it was Andy left a, a, a Facebook comment yes. and he talked about uh, about the idea of we need some closure on whether or not Steve is alive or dead. Mm. Um, I came away from in game assuming that it was kind of like a it was I was to presume that he he died after he handed off the shield. Like I assumed that he just like died on that bench. And that was it for, for Steve Rogers. So like, I, I never once entertained the idea that he would still be alive. And if so, what use would he have as a, you know, as a, yeah, I, I think he a million year that, old man. I think he'd just go back to that alternate universe with Peggy. I mean, why would he stay? It, it makes no sense for him to be an old man there and just stay in this universe. I don't see why he would. He has a wife in the alternate universe. Why not go back to her? Uh, so that, that's what I, I thought he just gave the shield and then said, all right, I'm out Bye. <laughs> right back to his, to his alternate universe and lived out his life in that alternate universe with, with Peggy Carter. That's what I always took it. So I don't need to know if he's alive or dead. It, that's really not important to me. I think his character is wrapped up right now. And so I, I assume that he went back and that, okay. that's what I thought. Yeah, so I, he was gone, right? When Sam looked back, he he wasn't still on the bench, right? Did Sam look back and he was gone already, or something like that? Because I, I think mm, I, I don't, I don't recall. Re- I don't recall either. But something, something in my head made me think like that was that happened, like he was just disappeared. Yeah, they can do anything. You know what I mean? Like he could pop back up. He couldn't. I I think that. I, but I don't agree with and and Andy wasn't a huge fan of this episode, which I was. I really enjoyed this episode, um, but. I don't think we really necessarily need to see him in this. I understand because this whole this is about the passing on of the legacy. It would be nice, but it's also nice that we don't, right? Because part of legacy is you have to say goodbye to some old things and people too, and they can't have an active role in your life, right? And I think that that's kind of to keep on bringing the people back that's when it gets a little boring, you know, mm-hmm. bring them back for a movie or something like that. Let, let, like, let this go. Let this be more about Sam having his own journey 
to me, what I'm interested in in the finale is I want to see what happens with this GRC because I think this moving of 20 million refugees is going to play big in the future in the MCU. I love when they invest in the story, the wider story like that. So I wonder what happens with Carly. Um, And I'm just interested to see if they're going to give us kind of tell us how everyone's interconnected or not, because there was the other thing earlier, which is I had thought maybe even Sharon was somehow connected with John um, at some point. See, your dog thinks I'm right, Tony. I love yeah, dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, I kind yeah. of was just, I always, I left in game thinking like I'm done seeing Chris Evans for like period or for a very long time. So to see people thinking that Steve Rogers, uh, well, I'm going to say Chris Evans, but you know, that he was going to show up in one form or another at some point in the series was surprising to me. I, I, I thought yeah. we were done with Chris Evans and I thought everybody was on that same page with me that we were done with Chris Evans for a while. So it was surprising to see people thinking that there, wow. there might be some, uh, some more Chris Evans in this show. Well, you know how it is. He probably has a new costume or something that they need to show us. <laughs> you know, if, if they did what you said, had him show up and Isaiah Bradley have him sitting next to him, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, I like. You know, that. I, would, I, I wouldn't mind that type of cameo if it was something. But as you said, listen, you can't keep recycling the same old Avengers. You have to have a whole new roster of Avengers. Uh, that's what the comic books did. And that's what this needs to turn over to. And the way they had it, Captain America was the leader of the Avengers. When I've always read the Avengers comic books, the leader of the Avengers is the Wasp. Right? She was the leader of the Avengers. And then Monica Rambeau was the leader of the Avengers. Usually it's a woman who runs the Avengers. So I I would like to see them go that route. You know, you have these characters with the Wasp running the show uh, and all of them. So I would rather see them do that. And you're going to have to bring in She-Hulk because she's going to be in there. And she's supposed to be an Avenger. And then you got the young Avengers. You're trying to build all those people up and Kate Bishop and everything else. And Kang the Conqueror is all about that. So you have so many characters you're introducing. you got to get rid of these old favorites. And they had a great run. And that's fine. But you got to get rid of them. You got to you got to move on from them. And to keep bringing them back, it's just going to want people to see them more. Mm-hmm. You get you you had a perfect send off for Cap. Let him be where he was at, and just move on from there. And it also yeah. cuts the knees out from under the people you're trying to elevate, because it sets a dichotomy and a hierarchy that they can never elevate themselves to the level of the originals, right? And I think that when you do that with a story, you're killing it. You're making it less and less valuable as time goes on. And you need to have people that rise up and even pass the level of Captain America, Iron Man, that people like more. You know, you yeah, got to see it. You see it in sports all the time. Yeah. Like, look, Mike Tyson's 50 something years old. He's an old man. But there's still people who come out there and say, Mike Tyson would beat any one of these young heavyweights right now. If he fought yeah. them right now, he'd beat them. And people will, will fight and argue with you to this day of how Mike Tyson could get in there and beat these young guys when it's impossible. He's an old man. He can't beat these guys. You know, but people love their old heroes and they, they don't do. let them go. You know, you see it and you know, Michael Jordan's better than LeBron James, uh, or whatever you want to say. It's always people who are always going to love their old heroes more than, cause it, it's who they grew up with. Yeah. And, you know, and they're always going to think that the person I grew up with 
is better than the next person out there. So if you bring these people back in there, then you don't have the closure, like like Captain Kirk and and, and Patrick Stewart. You know, you, you you had to get rid of Captain Kirk because people you can't bring Captain Kirk back all the time. They brought him back once, but then people are going to want to see Kirk more than Patrick Stewart. He doesn't pass the baton. You have to have the baton passing, and that's it, and let the new people run with it. So bringing back Captain America would hurt this series. And and you know what? We're going to pass the baton on to the next podcast or video that you watch. We're going to wrap it up here. This was a great talk. I want to thank Tony. I want to thank Mike, of course. We're going to be back next week where Delvin Cox is going to come back again for our finale episode. Tony, tell everybody where they can find you. Whatever you want to say as you depart today. Well, first, I just want to say thank you again for having me. Uh, thinking about me to have me on, uh, talk about this topic. I truly, truly appreciate it. I hope people were entertained by it. I hope I didn't offend anybody by anything I said. If so, you know, put it in the comment section. We can have a discussion about it. Mike, it's good to hang out with you, bro, and everything else. X, it's good to hang out with you again uh, and, and do this. And you can find me, as always, on Teflon TV on YouTube. That's the best way to get in contact with Teflon TV, YouTube. Awesome. And I will definitely cool. be putting a link in the show notes for that as well. Mike, your That's final thoughts? What was that? Your final thoughts? Oh, yeah. Um, same deal, man. Uh, glad for the, uh, have Tony come on. Another good talk. Ready to get back to next week. Wrap this thing up with Delvin. Uh, you can find me one mic on YouTube. And um, yeah, there's also a podcast anywhere you find podcasts. It's the same as the YouTube videos, just with the audio. So find that on uh, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, well, it's Apple Podcasts now, sorry. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, that's there. And uh, yeah, that's it. All right. Fantastic. And you can find us at DVRpodcast.com. Finale is next week. This has been a lot of fun, man. I'm telling you, this has been my first real jump into the MCU. And every week I'm learning something. I love having the guests, too. And uh, I'm just having a lot of fun. We get to learn a little bit. and We get to see some cool action and a lot of fun stuff. And also, most importantly, New outfits, people. Maybe I'll premiere a new outfit on the final po- on the final podcast next week. If All you right? come to this motherfucker dressed like yeah. Captain America, we got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I do have my special hat on today, though. I got to give a shout out to Bill Kava oh, that picked me up my Staten Island Dire Wolves. <laughs> he went out when when it was uh, Game of Thrones night. At the at in the Staten Island Double A or Triple A baseball team, and they rebranded themselves the Dire Wolves for one night, and he got me this hat. Hmm. So shout out to Bill Kava, a, another Jersey folk out there, Strong Island representing. Yeah, Wu-Tang, baby. baby. Uh huh. Oh, again and again. All right. Thank you, everyone. Peace out. Peace. Today's deep dive into Falcon and Winter Soldier is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Head on over to Cufflinks.com slash DVR for all your men's apparel needs, baby. They've got cufflinks. They've got tie bars. They've got pins. They've got ties, socks, all the awesome stuff that you need to look good when you step out your door in the morning or when you turn on that computer and you're on Zoom. Because let's face it, people, you still got to look good. 
Come on. Enough with the bedhead. We're a year in. The light is at the end of the tunnel. We got to start thinking about the future, people. Looking good out there in public. So head on over to cufflinks.com now. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today.